Welcome to episode 819 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, a team welcome along to episode 819. John looks like he's got a concerned look on his face. No, no, just uh, ready to rumble, Bevan. He's ready born to rumble. ready to rumble. Uh, you just about want a bike? Biked up here. It's not summer anymore, Bevan. Tell you that for nothing. No, yeah, a bit foggy this morning as well. Okay, then Iron Talk is proudly brought to you by Profile Design, one of our profile our patron partners. And we've got they've got great hydration, wheels, storage, aero bars, stems. And handlebars, you can check them out at profile design or profile-design.com. The magic five swim goggles. These are custom fitted swimming goggles. Everyone raves about them, and you can check them out at the magic five, and it's the number five.com. And the World Triathlon Store. Awesome gear, real top gear. And if you want to get some cool Iron Talk gear, you go to there, click on the store, or go to iamtalk.me, click on the store, and you go from there. Also, some of our patrons, Jombo. Larry, Lord Business Bracketto. It's a Lord Week this week because we've got Neil, Lord Flashheart Thompson. And Matt, the Albatross Young. Okay, this week's show, we've got some news, we've got a hot topic, we've got our weekly quiz. It's going to be there every week now. Yes, there we go. And then we also have Wanger of the Week and John Swimset. Oh, John Swimset gets a bit at the top now, does it? It is. And we've got an interview with Andrew Messick, uh, CEO oh, of yeah, Iron Man. Okay, well, that's a pretty big interview. He is the boss. He is the big dude. He's the, he's the mob leader. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's, mm-hmm. he's the mob leader. Okay, this week's news, um, the PTO have announced... Uh, PTO, PTO. Oh, sorry, no, the, the sub eight have announced that there has been a bit of an in and out because we've had some injuries. So, Kate Matthews is going to be aiming for the sub eight. She's taken over from Lucy Charles, who's out with a stress fracture in her hip. I think it's a stress fracture, um, but she's out uh, for quite some time. So, so tell me about Kate Matthews. Uh, well, she is awesome. We've had her on the show before, uh, and she's likely to be. Well, she was one of the biggest improvers last year and the year before, should I say. Uh, and I think she'll continue in that fashion this year. She currently ranks sixth in the PTO rankings, but one of those in front of her is Taylor Nip, who's a short course and only does a few half Ironmans. So in reality, she's she's fifth. And I think that's a, you know, a reflection of where she's at um, so far this season. She spanked it in Lanzarote, does 70.3, yeah. beating Anne Haug by about four minutes or so. And there was some other quality athletes there as well killed them on the bike rode a 227 compared to most of them riding mid 230s and then backed that up with a really good 117 on the run which is only you know it's about nearly two minutes slower than Ann Haug who's arguably the fastest runner in the sport at the moment for, for iron distance racing um, last year she finished fourth at 70.3 worlds she finished fourth at the collins cup first at ironman uk second at uh, tulsa behind uh, daniela reef uh, so had an awesome season the season before that she was undefeated she had a win in all the races that she did obviously it was a slightly different year 2020 um, so she is an athlete on the rise whether or not she can do a yeah, sub eight so, so, so let's talk about this because she's not a strong swimmer She's kind of a middle of the pack female swimmer at best. Um, yeah. Good bike runner. So, so then when we look at like if we look at the PTO's kind of percentage ranking, she's in the top eighty percent of swimmers, top ninety one of spikers, top ninety three of runners. So she's up there in the in the bike run. Uh, we were kind of quietly confident that maybe Lucy Charles could get there. How do you feel with this sub? Uh, 
Don't think so. I mean, uh, she's a, as you said, Kat Matthews is really good on the bike and the run. If we compare her to Lucy Charles at the 70.3 Worlds last year, where Lucy Charles just absolutely annihilated everybody, yeah. uh, she was nearly three minutes slower on the bike, which was still the third fastest bike of the day, and she was about four minutes slower on the run. Uh, so, yeah, look, she's a fantastic athlete, I think, Fifth-ranked athlete is a reflection of where she's at. I think to, to do this sub-eight, you you've got to be stars. the number one yeah. and you've got to be having an awesome day and everything to go right. So it's great that they've got somebody else participating in it. Um, my other concern, and this was going to be a concern with Lucy Charles as well, is just that bike handling. You know, Kat Matthews is still a relatively new athlete. And when you're riding in a group... At, I, I, I can't remember the speeds they have mm. to hold. I imagine it's probably about 45k an hour um, for 180 kilometres. If you're not used to that, you might be able to hang in there, but the mental stress drain and probably the heart rate elevation you'll you have from that, I think will take quite a bit out of you. So um, if I had money, don't think I'd put it on in making it. I think she's an awesome athlete, but I, probably Lucy Charles is probably the only one that I actually would have put mon- money on at the moment anyway. Uh, so good luck to her though. Who's the other one now? Because Flora Duffy's... Uh, no, Nicholas Spirik. And who knows what you're going to get from her because she, again, amazing athlete. But this is her last season of racing. She's pretty sure she's 40. Uh, if she's not, she's pretty close to it and hasn't got a great deal of Ironman experience. But she's one of the most you know, awesome athletes has ever been. So she could, if she's... But, but she had a broken something, rather, collarbone yeah, or something yeah, recently. Yeah. So... You know, again, whoever does this has to be on their top game and everything going right. Well, it's you know? one of the downfalls of doing something like this is because you do have you're putting your all your money on four people, aren't you? Mm. You know, four people who are pushing their bodies to the max. So the the chance of losing people are, is pretty high. Yeah, you know what I mean. And, and it turns out we've lost fifty percent of it so far. You know, mm. so um, now luckily we're getting subs in, and, and we, everyone wants them to see them succeed. But it's definitely going to be challenging. Big news! This is massive news. Frodo mm. is out of St. George. It is. He's got a bit of an Achilles problem. and That's a big problem. Oh, well, no, no, for the race. Yeah. It's you know, like, like I, I get it. We've got some rock stars here. Mm. It's, it's still going to be a fantastic race, but you want him there. Yeah, totally. And you, you, if you win, you want to be beating him when he's having a good day as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, real shame. Um, but if he's not at 100%, you know, probably just yeah, yeah, rock yeah, up. Especially yeah. for Achilles. The, mm. pro- the, probably the bigger question is, how bad is it? Because Achilles can be a, a long injury to come right from. Mm. You know? and, and especially when you're older as well. Yeah. So And does that, what does that mean for Kona later on in the year? Well, I think it's probably got positives on that front as long as he gets back to running. And he's the kind of athlete that, you know, he probably needs a you know, 16-week lead into the race or something like that. Mm. And we're still miles out from that. So I think he'll be, uh, I think he'll be fine. And, I th- and, and you kind of heard it in all the things that he's saying. He was excited about St. George. It was going to be awesome. But he wants Kona, and that's his big focus for the year. So, uh, fingers crossed, he'll be there for Kona. We have an awesome race. With, with that, are you implying that someone, if you smash yourself in St George, you're going to struggle on Kona? Oh, it's pretty hard to do a double peak like that. Yeah, plus all the other stuff that's going on in the middle of the year. So, yeah, I, I am implying that, Bevan. Well, because you know, back in the day, we used to say Germany, you can't do Kona, mm-hmm. um, and then it started to get disproven. But that was later in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in May. We're in, it's the seventh of May, isn't it? So seventh mm. of May, it's a little bit more time for them to recover and then do a build to Kona. Could, could kind of, it kind of depends what the rest of your season looks like. So if you did a build to St George, you smoke it there, 
and then you take plenty of downtime and you're not racing your ass off through sort of July and August, then probably okay. But if you try to do St. George at your peak, then lots of other races, uh, yeah, all the PTO races, Collins Cup, and then keep it going to October. I think that's going to be pretty pretty hard. Okay, the other news is Joe Skipper may also be out of St. George because he looks like he's got COVID. He's had COVID. He's on the comeback, but he's uh, being tentative in terms of uh, whether or not he, he wants to avoid getting long COVID, which he's seen other people um, get, and he sort of said... He has a suspicion maybe he had it when he was in South Africa, um, which might have been one of the reasons why he didn't perform quite as well. So crowd favourite, hopefully. You know, again, Joe Skipper, you know, for him to be competitive at St George needs to be 100%, and if you're not going to be 100%, you might as well uh, save, your, save your juice for another race. Do you, does it change your picks? Uh, I don't think I would have had Joe Skipper. I mean, I, I think almost everybody would have had Dino. Two Norwegians and the Freedia you know, as your top three, yep. and and whatever order they're going to come in. Uh, Joe Skipper could have potentially had a fantastic race. Who's who's happy Fredino's not there? Like obviously everyone, but who's probably uh, who's most happy? I don't know if they are. I mean, oh come on! So you know, like at the end of the day, no. like some people are going to say, "I want to beat the best guy on the day." Some people are like, "Great, he's not there." Yeah, the only reason I would look at that saying Gray's not there is it means you move up one place in terms of getting a, a bit of extra money in your pocket. No, I reckon if you did an honest survey with most of them, they'd say they want they want I think, I think publicly they say yes, and a lot of them under, under this, yeah, I'm pretty happy he's not there. History know. doesn't remember who doesn't turn up. Um, and what yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, like yeah, winners, yeah. winners, you know, like I'm guarantee. You, there's been plenty of winners who won Kona over the years. Yeah, like when, when, when Chrissy wasn't there one year or yeah. something like that. Yeah, you totally. Know, history doesn't remember that. No, but you, you know. will. Deep down, you'll know, I won it. <laughs> you won't. Frodo wasn't there. <laughs> you won't. You'll yeah, be going, you yes, I'm the champion. <laughs> I am the champion. <laughs> we got a correction from good old Alec Riddle. He's got here, your portrayal of LA try was incorrect. We were talking about uh, the Pro-Am. Uh, the 100K prize purse is for the individual pro race, which is an Olympic distance, and there's 15 deep in both the male and female. The Pro-Am involves five male pros and females, um, P.S. The Arena Games final is in Singapore, not London. So he's giving. I'm us a happy lot of to be corrected. Here. So thank you for that, Alec. Uh, one thing I would say is, after he sent this email through, I did go and try to find out if there was any information. I couldn't find it anywhere in terms of an individual okay. race. So, so it was so poor work by them. At, we, yeah. we take no responsibility. At, at the LA Triathlon, there is going to be a pro am race, which is kind of shits and giggles and yep. doesn't really mean anything. And then there is, it sounds like, which I thought would be the case, an individual race. Um, but I couldn't find any mention of that. I wasn't going to spend hours searching, but if it's not pretty obvious within yeah. a minute, you're not doing your job. Who, who, who's the pro-am? Who's the celebrities? Anyone I didn't, haven't seen. Anyone like? No. Because you're in LA. Mm. You know, remember we did that, that site one time we did the, the tri- famous people who had done triathlon? Yeah. Um, who is uh, the hangover? Who's the guy in that? Um, Bradley Cooper. I think maybe he does triathlon. I'm not <laughs> implying that he's doing this whatsoever. Yeah. I think he's done a few. There have been a few famous people. Oh, in Orlando LA as Bloom, well. he used to do it apparently. Okay, there you go. There you go. There you go. Um, and, and Singapore is the final of the Arena Games, which is fantastic. Next round is going to be London. I think London will hopefully go off a lot more than what uh, it did in terms of spectators. We'll get better people in London, won't we? Well, no, in Singapore. Singapore is the final. No, but I mean like the athletes we get in London, do you think we'll get uh, a better field? Probably. Because Germany was a strong field, not the, all the rock stars. Yeah, I'd say it's a, it was a semi-strong field. Okay, okay. Yeah. Well, I was trying to be polite there, John, yeah. unlike yourself. Um, <laughs> so but do you think we'll get a stronger field in London? I hope so. And then the, the, in Singapore, I know Hayden Wilde's going, uh, and it is part 
you can get points in terms of you know ITU points and things like that and it's just that little bit later so I think by that stage athletes will be starting their lead into to races and I don't know the date don't have it in front of me but you'll be getting pretty close to when the WTS series is sort of starting to kick off. Now Hayden Wild is also sponsored by Red Bull there was big news on New Zealand TV. Yes so a Red Bull athlete. <laughs> yeah that's, that's good for him but okay we've got coming up this weekend we've got Ironman Texas. Yeah, and one of the things that I noted on here was uh, Magnus Ditlev is making his, by the look of it, his iron distance debut. I would have thought he'd start done some, but you've seen him do really well in some of the sort of the the, the clash and the challenge races at um, going around the tracks. Absolute beast on the bike. Sometimes holds it together on the run. Sometimes sometimes completely capitulates. But what I think we're probably going to see in the next few Ironmans is the fields aren't going to be stellar because people will be getting ready for St George. So good opportunity for him. You've got Ben Hoffman, who is the number one seeded athlete there, um, with a, a Polish dude, Robert Wilkowicki, and Jesper Svensson, seeded third, along with Cody Beals. Haven't seen him around for a while. Yeah. And then on the female side, you've got Jocelyn McCauley, who is ranked number one, and she is expected to win by 23 minutes over Joanna Reiter. And, yeah, I think Jocelyn McCauley is... I don't know if you call her an underrated athlete, but she's had some amazing results. And when she's on form, uh, she kicks some serious butt, but she is a little bit of a yo-yo athlete. She's either hot or she's not. Uh, And when she's done some of her races in Ironman New Zealand one year, I remember she absolutely spanked it. Um, But other times she's been, she's a a little bit hot and cold. She went in 2019. She won Ironman New Zealand and went sub nine hours, which is on that course is impressive. I've got a question that I like your discussion for the week this week, but I've got a question for maybe for the future: is Would you rather be an athlete who came into the sport only wins Kona once, mm-hmm. never does anything ever again, or an athlete who has a really good career, wins Ironman races, mm-hmm. but never wins Kona? Mm. Would you rather be? Mm. Interesting. That's a good discussion of the week, isn't it? Yeah, you yeah. save that one. It's kind of the one-hit wonder question. Would you have yeah. a long music career or just a one-hit wonder? Mm. But never get the one hit if you're not. And there's only been a couple of semi-one-hit wonders for Kona. Most of them have done other stuff. Yeah, yeah. Only a couple. Yeah, who would they be? Well, Pete Jacobs. No, who, but he, 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 yeah, he that, podiumed. Right. He, he, don't interrupt. Don't interrupt. Oh, I was saying he was he was of the people that had only won once. He won once, but he had had a couple of years building into that. Yeah. Freddie Van Laird was was similar. He had a couple of years leading yeah. into it. Leander Cave only won once, but again, she'd had, had long lots career. of yeah. top tens. Uh, if you can go back to the early days, but we we're sort of, sort of talking modern times. Um, Sebastian Keenlay only won once, but again, he was always there or thereabouts. Yeah. Kona is a tough. Tough nut to crack. And historically, you have to get a top five the year before to win it. Not many people have gone on and won it in the first without getting a podium the year before. Yes. Yeah, interesting. Um, okay, Commonwealth Games, John. What's happening? Going to Victoria, Australia, 2026. Oh, awesome. Triathlon is not always on the calendar uh, for the Commonwealth Games. It normally is, but one year in India it wasn't. So the Commonwealth Games coming to Australia, 2026. Should oh, be awesome. I went to Melbourne Games. Yeah. It was awesome. I went to the Gold Coast Games. It was really good. Australia know how to put on sports. Mm. When do they come back here? Ah, we'll never get them again. Here we go. No. Nah. Oh, 1990, we showed. Yeah, this, this is, is the, the moment. moment. <laughs> we are together. That was the theme that song. Was the theme song for us Kiwis. We've got three minutes. What do you reckon? Pause. No, let's, let's pause. Okay, we're going to pause. We're back in a second. We're going to go do an interview. 
And we are back. One thing I do want to say before we go into we, discussion. We never win anywhere. We, well, yeah, for these guys, yeah. <laughs> the magic of podcasting. Now, one thing I do want to uh, talk about is the Commonwealth Games. Hmm. Traditionally, good racing? Yeah, they tend to be pretty easy courses. And that these days, it's now a sprint distance. Um, or at least it has been a sprint distance race. Right, they? And they have the mixed relay. So, um, yeah. I mean, I've... It's good. It's good racing, you know. When you got all the British athletes, Kiwis, Aussies, Canadians, it's a pretty strong field. You know, it's not World Championship Series level, but it's certainly at least World Cup level. And yeah, we have seen some good racing. Who do you think will take it out? Twenty twenty six. Jeez, Louise. When's the next one? Is the next one? No, there's one this year. Is in Birmingham this year in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, four years time. God knows who's going to be still around then. God even knows. Okay, John, let's get into this week's discussion of the week. The discussion of the week was, do we like the pricing model that's kind of come up into the sport in the last period of time? So what do you think of the tiered pricing model many events are using, or do you prefer the traditional uh, traditional fee system that we have from like late entries and so on? So John, by you go first. Rich Walker says, by encouraging athletes to sign up early, the race organiser gets cash flow to start work, booking gazebos, permits, etc. I'm fine with it. Uh, Robert Flynn's got smaller events often struggle to be financially viable and often the early bird pricing is to pay for bills from previous years and keep equipment e.g. etc. in storage. It's not an easy business and hence without tiered pricing we would have fewer events. It's a necess- It's necessary. Uh, Greg Gorman, uh, <laughs> <laughs> standard entry fee for all. It's just a cash grab at the moment. I'm kind of more on Greg's side there. I'm going to say, I'm not sure how to say this name. It's... Uh, how do you say the name of the dog? Unjix? Jinx? Jinx? I'd say Jinx. Jinx. Yeah. Uh, Harwood has got currently own ice cream van and drive around all day looking for some sales. Sometimes I sell lots and sometimes not. But I decided to produce a website where I can get a pre-order. It's delicious ice cream and I give a 10% discount and it's helped out how much I will sell. That's a Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wayne Ross, good incentive. Wayne's, I'm pretty sure Wayne's involved with Ironman New Zealand. Uh, Wayne uh, says, good incentive to book an early Good event, cook, um, event planning. Good for athletes uh, to get the training and motivation. Uh, Travis George's got. I have no issue with it, especially when there are sometimes the benefits of free deferral if you enter earlier, plus any savings for a beer after the race. And then Lucy Francis has got. All races have the free option uh, defer as long as it's within forty-five days prior to the race. So Lucy Francis also says, I think it's a gimmick. I'd like to know how many more entries they actually get from this. I don't remember such pricing options being available when race entries used to sell out within 24 or 48 hours. Uh, and I'll finish with Michael Kennedy. I am a fan of getting prices back to being a little more friendly for the everyday man and woman in which the sport was built. At heart, us triathletes are bogans who love running around. Don't go bogans. calling me a bogan. Well, truth, truth hurts, John. <laughs> uh, not sure when it became an elitist sport with entries that only elites can afford and not paying the elites of the sport. Final note, active.com can <laughs> with their PS active fees. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, I just don't understand why organisations just don't include the fee in your entry fee. Then you wouldn't even notice it. And yeah. You would bitch and moan. Yeah. Uh, David Haythorn, wait, uh, the last one I'll do. I it's Iron Man. 
Sorry, you've done that. Oh, no, 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 you go. Sorry. It's Iron Man. Money making for the venture capital company owners. Exactly why some now stay away. Anything to extract more money from the dedicated, hardworking age group athletes. But then again, if you're owned by such a company, then actually triathletes are the least of your concern. Money is king. The reason this topic came up for me was because Challenge Wanaka introduced this last week. And they they? they introduced a tiered system. And I, I don't know. It just got on my nerves, to be honest, because... Challenge ethos is it's all about the athletes. You're we're, we're there for you guys first, and but this comes across to me as being big, big, big business and just as, as a money it? grab. Well, I know you can argue both sides, but that's how I felt when I saw that announcement. I just thought, are oh, you just doing a money grab? You, you just look like so, Iron so what, Man what, now. What's the, what's the difference? What were they doing previously? Well, pre- previously you'd have a set date and it'd be stand- you, maybe you'd have an early bird entry fee, but it wouldn't be based on you've got to get in quick. It's based on a date rather than you know just really trying to drive that demand and the scaremongering around that that you might miss out. And so, what are they doing now? So now they're doing we have fifty slots where you pay. Oh, so it's based on how many slots? Yeah, and oh. the Ironman's uh, the same okay. with their tiers. So okay. first fifty people to enter, you're you're at. Five hundred dollars. Next fifty, you're at six hundred. Next fifty, you're at six fifty, and and so on and so on. I don't know. It just doesn't, for whatever reason, it doesn't sit right for me. I'd much rather see a system where you go right. This is early bird entry. Enter by thirty first of July. That's entry fee. Enter by the thirty first. Okay, so that's the entry I'll play fee and so on. You you you're a race director. Mm-hmm. What's one of the biggest things that frustrates the crap out of you? Well, people signing up late. The, there's two two sides to that story though as well, because yes, it's frustrating. In the last couple of days, that frustrates the hell out of me yep. as people trying to sign up late. But for me, from an organizer, I get a lot more revenue from the people that sign up in the last three weeks that are paying that extra. So I would. But be would you very prefer? Would you know, prefer? That, you know, you had. Let's say you've got a race that's five hundred people. That you had two hundred fifty people signed up within the first month. Me personally, it doesn't make any difference okay. whatsoever. Um, but I'm only a small bit organizer whose yeah. events are a couple of hundred people. If this was a salaried business where I've got employees and stuff, I, I understand the business model behind it. I just don't like it. Because in sales, what they talk about in sales is urgency and scarcity create demand. Mm-hmm. So if you put scarcity and urgency in place, it will make people take action. And so it's, it's a sales strategy. It's actually a really good strategy. Because mm-hmm. what you're saying is, you need to do this now, and there's a scarcity amount of people who are going to get the benefit of doing this now. Mm-hmm. So, I, I understand all that. I just don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I kind of get both sides. I, I, the only question, I, and I don't know, what's the difference in the pricing? Mm. So, is it like if you're, let's say, challenge sales, challenge one? I think sales. theirs was like fifty dollars increments or something like that. Yeah. So, what's the max you could pay in comparison to the max in the past? Let's say, for argument's sake. 150 bucks extra more than, than the that you'd pay if you were a later entry. 150, 200 bucks so, extra. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, so the, yeah. supply and demand, but it's just mm. economics, isn't it? I, I understand that. I just don't like it. <laughs> now, I do have to give some love to Challenge because I was speaking to someone the other day and they had signed up to do Challenge Rote in the pandemic mm-hmm. and they didn't do it. I think the race got cancelled even. Yep. And Challenge offered everyone a refund, which mm-hmm. is great. Uh, and this person was in a place where they didn't need the refund. They said, you know what? Support you guys. You've been great. Mm. No need. Then they got an email from Felix. And, and on the email, I think they figured out that 100 people did the same thing. Mm. And they've gone back to them and said, you can enter any challenge, two challenge races at any time, even if they're sold out, we're mm. going to get you into these races. Mm-hmm. So I just thought... As much as you know, you're a bit 
an order of challenge doing the system. Um, challenges have always had their heart in the right place, and mm. I just thought that was a really beautiful example of, you know, look, cause they could have just said thanks, you know, but actually coming back after the fact and repaying, and you know, when we had the quakes here, the challenge, ONG, mm. they they gave us entry to every race they had, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, like we often talk about Ironman and, you know, the, the business side of things and Challenge is more of a business nowadays than maybe it was in the old days, but I just, you know, I thought it was a really good example of doing the right thing, so. All that being said, Challenge Monarch is a great race. Oh, yeah, far it's yeah. touch, don't and, like that. And to be honest, let's be honest, most races are going to do this moving forward, mm. you know, because it does create that urgency and scarcity. No me. Get uh, your early bird price, your standard price and your late price. Come to Oxman uh, end of November. Yeah. Perfect lead in if you're doing Iron Man Topo in November in December, or even if you're doing seventy point three, bust out a nice race. This week's discussion, and this is gonna be a controversial one and maybe a big one. What does your partner hate most about you doing triathlon and how do you try to work around it? <laughs> I end up breaking up the partner. So, so that didn't help. I remember when I first started triathlon. No, when I first met Joe, because I met Joe about well, we started seeing each other about four months before we wrote. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was going to be my last Iron Man. And I was like, I'm glad you get to see this side of me in life. Mm-hmm. But I know our relationship wouldn't last if I stayed <laughs> with it. So, so the discussion is, what does your partner hate most about the sport? And what do you try to do to work around it? Okay, the quiz question, John. What was the last year of an ITU, Olympic Distance Non-Drafting World Championship? I know it's not called ITU any longer. It's called World Triathlon, but back then it was. So what was, was the, the last, last year? Non-drafting Olympic Distance World Championships. Oh, I think I might have a chance at this one. Mm. I have mentioned this a lot of times on the podcast. I think, before. can I name the winner? Sorry? Uh, no, well, you can later in the show. Okay, okay. okay now, do you want to do a history lesson or an interview? I think, uh, I think we probably need to do the history lesson. Okay, John's history, history lessons. lessons. Best short course athletes. Oh, so I've been asking you this, haven't I? Well, who yeah. are the best short course athletes not to win an Olympic medal? And you've done your, you've done your work, so tell me all about it. So... Uh, and I think we pretty much nailed this when we were actually yeah. going through it. Um, so best athletes that have not won Olympic medal that have been awesome at the World Triathlon Series. Like, dom- like some of these names have been dominant, haven't they? Yeah, especially yeah. on the boys' side. So on the like guys, and I've done since 2009 when the series sort of kicked in, these are the people that have... Uh, been doing awesomely. Mary Moller and Vincent Louis are the two ones that really stand out. So Mary Moller has had 16 wins on the World Triathlon Series. I'm, I'm wondering if that's a, w- a record. It was around about 16. I did a quick cal- calculation. Uh, at the Olympics... Do you think it's the most of all time? I think it probably is. Wow. Yeah. Um, and because when I looked at Vincent Louis, he's only got five. Yet he he's been really really good as well. Uh, so he's I think he's five. Yeah, well that's all I counted up. He's had lots of other wins, but we're talking World Triathlon Series, and I could I could be, it was around five. Uh, anyway, Mario Mola counted sixteen World Triathlon Series wins uh, in the Olympics. He's got a nineteenth, an eighth, and a tenth. And but he's a slightly different sort of athlete to Vincent Louis because Mola always had to be. Uh, it was always yeah. going to come down to the run, yep. whereas Vincent Louis could win from pretty much any position. Uh, Vincent Louis, I think I only counted about five World Triathlon Series wins, um, but very consistent on the, the podium if he wasn't winning. Uh, he's had an 11th, a 7th, and a 13th at the Olympics. Now, 
Going into the last Olympics in Tokyo, he was definitely one of the favourites. However, he was injured, so it's not like he crumbled under the pressure or anything like that. Um, there were a few other names that I sort of had a look, quick look through um, that had, had medals at the World Triathlon Series or the World Triathlon Series final. Um, Mike, Mike Petzold, Stefan Justus, Brad Carterfelt and Bert Whistle um, were the guys. Now, Picard... Someone sent, someone sent us a message about yeah, Carterfelt. Carterfelt. Did a marathon, did like 2.22. Yeah, it's solid. It's 42. Yeah, solid. <laughs> Just solid, is solid. it? Just yeah. solid. Yeah, very solid. He's a pro athlete. He's a, yeah, he was a very, very good athlete. So that's really good. He was really good. He won the Commonwealth Games, didn't he? Did he win the Commonwealth Games? I think he did. He definitely got, I'm sure he got a medal. Because it was that one with Robbo, wasn't it? Was it the one with Robbo? Yeah, yeah Robbo was surging and I think Bevan Doherty might have got third, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. That was that was quite a good one to watch. That was a fascinating one because Robertson just kept surging all day, didn't he? Yeah, it was weird. It was like literally he'd sprint hundred meters, they could jump, and he just sprint like it was. Yeah. yeah, it was out of it. You'd you'd just want to punch him in the face when you're <laughs> running next to him, wouldn't you? You'd just be going, it'd annoy the hell out of you. So good tactic. On the female, although he side, didn't win, so did he? No, no, he didn't. I didn't. No, I'm pretty sure. But let me have a look. I'll look at my break. Yeah, uh, on the female side, we've definitely had some very, very good athletes. Um, probably not quite as dominant as on the boys' side. So the names that I plucked out was Andrea Hewitt, Helen Jenkins, Non Stanford, um, Anne Haug, who's now an awesome Ironman athlete, uh, Sarah Groff, who is now Sarah True, and Ashley Gentle. So if I looked at Helen Jenkins, she finished fifth in London. She'd had four wins on the World Triathlon Circuit. Non Stanford, she was a 2013 series champs uh, she's had five wins on the circuit and she was fourth in Rio so just missed out and Andrea Hewitt actually has had sixth wins on the world triathlon series and her, her Olympic games have been an eighth a sixth and a seventh um, a couple of other notable emissions but they were sort of pre-2009 Peter Robinson never got an Olympic medal Ivan Rana and Tim Don uh, and on the female side, Laura ran a forever too, didn't he? Because he'd always turn up at Kona, wasn't he? Still racing. Yeah. Laura Bennett on the um, female side, and a few prior to 20, 2000, which was the first Olympics, and they were at the end of their career. On the guys' side, Brad Bevan, Simon Lessing, Olivier Marceau, and Andrew Johns. Yeah. And on the female side, Suri Lindley, Barb Linquist, Sheila Tormina, and Emma Carney. But they only had one crack at it, and some of those people didn't even um, necessarily make their teams. So. And, and at a different time, those people mm. would have won the gold medal. Or some of them, like you know, like a, a listing. If it, if it happened in two thousand nineteen ninety six, oh yeah, yeah, you know, you would have put your house on listing, wouldn't you? Definitely, yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay, so just Brad Carterfield. So the two thousand and six Commonwealth Games, which were where were they? They were in Melbourne. You were there, but I didn't even go watch the triathlon. <laughs> <laughs> Free ticket at event. Free non-ticket. Oh, you yeah, get tickets. I was in the triathlon. I was doing triathlon at the stage. Oh, it might have been different. It's it's. You know, you might not have been there for the whole duration. Mustn't have been. Um, Carterfield took it out. Doherty second. Robinson third. Tim Don fourth. Right. Gemmell fifth. Yeah. Kada, uh, Hamish Carter sixth. Will Clark. Yeah, he's a, uh, he was a good, good athlete. We, uh, we interviewed him once on Kona. He was a BMC athlete. Oh, okay. What about Paul, uh, I'm going to say Titchlar from Titch, Canada? Paul Titchler. Yeah, he was okay. And then Stuart Hayes. Yeah, he was a good uh, He's still ran, yeah, batting around. And then 10th place, Hendrik Van Villiers from South Africa. Not so familiar with him. Okay, females, you had uh, Snowsill took it out. 
quite comfortably. Uh, Warren a second, Andrew Hewitt third, Debbie Tanner. So New Zealand got third. That was a sprint finish, wasn't it? It was very close. Yeah, it was too. Yeah, Hewitt and Tanner. Third place. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Annabelle Luxford. Yep. Liz, Liz Blanchford. Mm-hmm. Andrea Whipcomb. She was an Olympic runner as well. Flora Duffy. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Flora. What year? 2006. Yeah. She's been around a long time. Yeah, far out. Jill Savage. Yeah, she was, uh, I think she's um, a guy, uh, Jordan, oh, what's his name? Jordan Rapp. No, yeah, Jordan Rapp's wife, I think. Oh, okay. And then lastly, 10th place, Julie Divins. Oh, right. So it's a pretty good field, wasn't it? Very strong field. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. So that, that was the Commonwealth Games in 2006. <laughs> More history to your history lesson. You have, you have got a bloody encyclopedic knowledge of, of athletes. Yeah. Watched a bit of triathlon in my time. Yeah, but they, some of those names weren't necessarily top tier. Mm. You know, like it's pretty impressive. Okay, we've got an interview. We are talking with Andrew Mystic, CEO of Ironman. Here he is right now. Right, our team. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have our next guest on, Andrew Messick, the CEO of uh, Ironman and also an athlete himself. So he knows what we go through, which I think a lot of people really appreciate. Um, before we started talking, just off air, we were um, really discussing COVID and how it's how it is down in New Zealand and how it's going to obviously different in, in different parts of the year. So I, I did want to start off on no, actually before we start off on a negative point, Andrew, have you have you done any training today or have you got anything planned for this afternoon? I, I have not done any training today. I will get on my smart trainer this evening and uh, and push some watts just to elevate my heart rate and uh, and try to try to do something. Good. Excellent. Now, obviously, COVID has been a massive hit, and, and we all know there's been events cancelled left, right, and centre for an extended period, and, and it's carrying on in different parts of the world. Um, yeah, a lot of Asian races still aren't happening. Can you can you just try to put in perspective for for us? You know how big a hit that has been for Ironman, and um, yeah, just sort of talk us through what what it's been like. You know, for you guys to try to survive as a business. Well, I can start by saying that in 2020, our plan was to host 250-odd events in 55 countries around the world. And between the middle of March 2020 and the third week of August in 2020, we did not host a single event anywhere in the world in person. Yeah. Not one physical events took place in that period of time. And, and that, and we're an event company. Um, and, and so you can imagine what that does for the organization, for the people, for, for everything. Um, so it was by far the most difficult period in our company's history. And like a lot of events companies, it was a, a real struggle to you know, keep our heads above water um, because you know, the revenue from events is what pays the rent and what puts food on the table for, you know, our 600 plus employees around the world. How many, how many staff did you have? Did you have to lay off a lot of staff or were you able to, to hold on to most people? We were able to hold on to most people. We, we had to do a little bit of readjustments um, in a couple parts of the world, but relative to most other organizations, we were able to stay 75, 80% intact. Um, and 
you know, that was a, a big struggle and a big accomplishment. Um, but, you know, we were, uh, you know, it, we, we did lose some people, which was super painful because mm. it's always painful. Um, but, but we've been able to come largely back and, and we should be broadly speaking, um, more or less normal in 2022. Subject to COVID cooperating, which uh, it hasn't over the last two years. Yeah. And and how do you guys, how do you recover from this? Because we, we know that whilst, yes, there has been quite a bit of racing uh, in 2021, um, or not heaps, but a reasonable amount, 2022, hopefully, you know, um, we see, you know, a full Northern Hemisphere season. But the challenge you guys have got is, I guess, you're having to deal with a whole bunch of deferrals. So you're, whilst you're having races and it looks great um, and there's lots of people in, uh, in these events, I guess from an income point of view, a lot of those are going to be deferrals. So it's going to be, you know, I guess, a prolonged process of recovery for you guys. So how are you guys going to recover? Are we going to see increase in entry fees or what's the impact going to be? Well, you know, what we're doing, you know, everyone pretty much in the world that paid for a race will get a race. And in some cases we, we refunded athletes like, like in Australia and New Zealand. Um, but, but we took care of our athletes and, and allowed not just them to, to defer in, in 2020. Um, but, but we let anybody who wanted to defer out of 2021 into 2022, uh, because we realized that you know, irrespective of sort of the status of COVID, there's lots of people who are, you know, who still can't travel, um, who don't, even if they can travel, don't, weren't ready to travel or, or didn't feel like they had um, the ability to train adequately. And so we did allow quite a substantial number of people to defer into 2022. And we think that's the right thing to do for sort of our Ironman family. And, and we'll, you know, we'll, fight our way through it in, in 2022. Uh, but we are carrying quite a, quite a number of people uh, from some of whom signed up as late as 2019 mm -hmm. uh, and didn't have a chance to race in 2020 and didn't have a chance to race in 2021. And, and we're hopeful we'll be able to accommodate everybody in, in 2022. And that 2023 will be a year in which we, um, you know, are sort of more like 2019. Mm -hmm. But by and large, athletes want to race. And I think that's the thing that we've seen throughout this pandemic is that, that people you know, very much value and appreciate the notion of training in a structured way towards a specific goal and that sort of purposeful training that's leading to a meaningful accomplishment is both physically and psychologically really important to people within our Ironman community. And, and so what we've seen, you know, as we've gone back to in-person racing is just really, you know, it's been remarkable how pleased people are to be able to get back to the races. I was in Oceanside, um, you know, 10 days ago, and it was awesome, you know, to see, lots of old friends, but just for people to start to feel like they're 
back at a big, important, vibrant race again. So I think we feel good about the future. We feel that that's, you know, we're, despite having had extraordinarily you know, difficult 2020 and 2021, we feel that, you know, the, you know, Ironman's well positioned for the future. Mm. Now, I mean, you get the, the the virtual racing was was awesome. You guys put on, but I, I totally agree with the uh, return to in person racing was uh, a hell of a lot better. So, one, I mean, obviously that was one area you diversified into. You know, forced to with COVID doing the you know the virtual racing. But for those that don't sort of follow the the news really closely, you guys are diversifying a lot into um, cycling events and the ultra trail running and so on. So I guess um, how big a part of your business is Ironman and 70.3 racing relative now to these, the um, cycling and, and trail running, you know, how, how big a part are they of your business now? Well, Ironman and Ironman 70.3 is still, you know, the, the main focus of our company, both in terms of the number of races that we have and the scale of those races. And, and, and so you know, we are, I, I think, still in our beating heart, a long distance triathlon company. But, but it's true, you know, that we have the rock and roll running series that you know, we're partners with UTMB to build out the UTMB world series of, of ultra trail running events. Um, you know, we have the Epic series, the Absa Cape Epic mountain bike race, um, and in a series of mountain bike stage races around the world. And we also recently acquired Hot Route, which is a, a road cycling nice. stage yeah. race yeah. business. Um, but, but Ironman and Ironman 70.3 are, you know, it's the, you know, it's, it's the original brand and for many of us is, you know, the, the thing that brought us into, you know, the, the endurance world as athletes and then you know, later, you know, in, in business. Um, but, but we think that there's, um, you know, there's a lot that we can bring to some of these other properties from what we've learned over the years in long distance triathlon. And, and so, you know, there's, there's an interesting set of conversations that are take place within our company every day around, you know, to what extent are some of these other types of events either similar or dissimilar from the thing that most of us have spent, you know, many years of our career doing, which is organizing triathlons. Mm. Uh, um, well, I do want to talk about St. George in a moment, but the, the two-day format in Kona, um, there's so many positive um, aspects of that, um, but there are some negatives as well. Um, I guess I'm really looking forward to having the females racing on a separate day. And if for the females and the age groupers that are that are racing on Thursday, it's going to be pretty cool for them to be able to then go and watch uh, the rest of the age groupers and the pro men on, on Saturday. My only concern is um, how the Big Island's going to cope. Have you, have you had much pushback from there, from the Big Island in terms of, you know, just the scale of this event, you know, shutting things down for two days, accommodation availability and so on? Well, we're spending an enormous amount of time communicating with the community and managing expectations and, and making sure that, that people are aware of the impact of having 
an Ironman world championship take place on a Thursday. Mm. And so you, the, that having two days of Kona is, you know, it, it's, it's a big step. <laughs> and, and I think we've been emboldened by the overwhelming success of two days of 70.3 world championships. You know, that started in Chattanooga and then we had, you know, we had multiple days, you know, all the way leading up to Nice. And then we'll, we'll have, you know, a multiple day 70.3 world championship later this year as well. Um, so, so two days of racing a day for women to really showcase professional and age group women and give them the cleanest race you can possibly imagine. I think we found that to be an overwhelming success. Um, the men like it better, the women like it better. It enables us to be able to find room for, you know, thousands of athletes who we otherwise wouldn't be able to find room for. And, and so to try that in Hawaii has been something that has been a goal of ours for a while. And, and so we're, you know, really excited. We're super, you know, we're, we're a little nervous. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's new, it's important. It, you know, we need to get it right from an athlete perspective. We need to get it right from a volunteer perspective. We need to get it right from a community perspective. And, uh, and so there's going to be, you know, a lot of new things that are going to take place this year, but, but, uh, but the ability to get more athletes to Hawaii, we think will be fantastic for the, for the broader Ironman community. Is it likely to be a one-off, you know, in terms of a bit of a COVID catch-up? Or if it's successful, is it something we may see carry on? Um, I, I think you know, we, we feel we're hopeful that we can turn it into something that's really positive and that's positive for the community, that's positive for athletes. And we would love to envision a world in which two days of Kona is something that happens regularly. Mm. Um, but, but we realize that we're gonna learn an enormous amount this year. I mean, when you think of all the things that are new this year, you know, our first ever you know, world championship outside of Hawaii. And, and so that the Intermountain Healthcare Ironman World Championship presented by the Utah Sports Commission, you know, which is just, you know, less than a month away, that that's going to be sort of a transformative experience, um, being outside of Hawaii. And then two days of Kona, we, we're going to have a lot of, a lot of stuff to process in the next six to nine months, thinking about, you know, what, what is, you know, how are, how's everything different and, and what does that mean for the future? So it's going to be it's going to be a very consequential six to nine months for us as we figure out how to process all of the really 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 new information that we're going to be getting uh, about what's right for for Ironman. 
Mm. Oh, it's going to be an exciting year. I know people are excited about St. George, they're excited about Kona, so it's going to be awesome. Um, one, one other, you know, organisation that's come along uh, in, you know, in a much bigger way, especially since COVID's um, sort of reared its head, is, is being the PTO. Um, have you guys got any sort of relationship with the, the PTO uh, in terms of the professional triathletes organisation? Yeah, I mean, Charles, I, Charles Adamo and I, you know, were together in Oceanside, you know, we had lunch uh, a couple of months back, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're watching carefully to see what those guys do and to see if they have, um, you know, ideas or, you know, approaches that are going to be relevant and helpful to the future. You know, their business model is super different from ours, um, but, but to the extent that they have or are able to come up with things that make sense, we're, we're, you know, we're paying careful attention. By and large, I think it's great for our pros. I think a, an infusion of funding and attention you know, for our professional athletes is great. Um, our, our position has always been you know, that, that professional athletes should, um, should leverage every opportunity they have to make the best living they possibly can. And so, you know, for us, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's good to see them availing themselves to a lot of the funding sources that the PTO has provided. And, um, you know, and, and that has made, you know, the lives of many of our professional athletes easier and better. Are you, are you worried about um, pros maybe not turning up at events? Because, uh, of course, they're still going to turn up to Kona, and you would assume they're also going to turn up to the 70.3 World Championships. But in terms of maybe the dilution at, at other events, you know, if they're going to be focusing on the, the US Open and the Canadian Open and Collins Cup, um, is that a concern for you guys that you'll have less pros at, at 70.3 and, and other Ironman events? Well... You know, our, our athletes still need to qualify for those world championships. Mm. And, and so, and they'll qualify for those world championships at our events. Um, you know, we've for, you know, years um, had a scenario where our athletes compete. Some of them compete short distance and move up into 70.3. And in some cases, Ironman, uh, our athletes routinely compete in, you know, the, in challenge events or race at Roth. And, um, and, and we've always had confidence that, that our events in terms of prestige and win bonuses and prize money, uh, our, our, our events allow us to be able to attract strong fields that, um, and that pros want to race in our events. And, and I don't see any reason why that won't continue. Any, any changes on the pro front for you guys this year? Obviously, we've already discussed a few major ones with there being two world championships plus uh, or two world Ironman championships plus the 70.3 world champs. But any anything else that's going to be happening on, on the pro front? You know, structurally, no. I think it's going to be a, a very interesting year. And, and we've already seen that happening on the pro side. That when you have a world championship full distance world championship take, taking place in May and then another full distance world championship taking place in October, 
And, and we expect to have you know, very competitive fields in both of them. How are professional athletes prepare and what's the role of like the historical midsummer full distance races is gonna be really interesting to watch. And, and what we've seen is that there, there, there was a big push for athletes to qualify in the fourth quarter of 2021 for Kona, October of 2022. Mm. And yet there is qualifying races that are, that, you know, are starting now that are qualifying athletes for, for Kona in October. And so how athletes choose to organize their, their summers, um, because there are some who will be reluctant to race a full in May and then race another full in June or July, and then, you know, have, have a third peak for Kona in October. And so that, that's going to be a really interesting thing. And that's really one of these things of, you know, it's one of the anomalies around having, you know, two Ironman world championship races within such a condensed temporal period. Mm. Um, just two other questions I had just regarding world champs. Like so in terms of St. George, you know, the pro field, we're absolutely excited about. The course looks fantastic. Um, how much uptake has there been from age groupers, you know, because I know there was the option to defer from doing Kona from whenever it was last year or the year before. Um, so from an age group perspective, has, it, has there been really good uptake for St. George? So it, it has. It's been, it's been a really interesting journey. Because if you recall, St. George was open as an age group race. It was, the North American, it was the North American Championship. And it was always scheduled for May. And so it was you know, largely full of age groupers. And, and a certain number of, you know, a certain number of them were trying to qualify for Kona. When we designated it as a world championship, we gave any athlete that wanted to get out of it an ability to transfer elsewhere hmm. because, you know, there, there's first time athletes, there's all kinds of different athletes, not all of whom, frankly, wanted to compete in a world championship. Um, so a number of them moved out and into other races, um, but, but a number of them stayed. Then we opened up Kona qualifying for races in the third and fourth quarter of 2021 to let people qualify into St. George. And, and the qualifying was not quite, and we had dual qualifying happening at, at these races. And so you're, you could qualify for either October of 2022 or May of 2022. Qualify for either race, but you couldn't qualify mm. for both. Mm. So athletes needed to choose. And, and so the fields, the athletes who qualified for St. George, by and large, were fast. Not quite as fast as the people who qualified for Kona, but fast. Um, we gave all of the people who deferred out of Kona in 2021, the opportunity to either go to St. George or to Kona. Most went to Kona, mm. but not all. Mm. And, and then we opened the door 
we said to ourselves, well, this is like the first ever time we've ever had a world championship outside of Hawaii. Should we also invite like our best customers? So we invited every athlete in the world that's finished 20 Ironman races over a 10-year period. We said, we're going we're, we're gonna to open the door to the world championship for you guys because, you know, who, who better than our most loyal customers to, to be a part of this? And most of them are coming. And then we opened the door up to some of our all-world athletes because, again, this is a one-time type of experience and many of them are coming. So St. George, from an athlete count perspective, will be the biggest Ironman World Championship we've ever had. Nice. And, and we wanted it that way we, because we don't know what's going to happen after St. George. We don't know. And maybe we'll go back to... Hawaii will be there forever. Maybe this will be the one race in 30 years from now, people will be saying like, I raced the one time the Ironman World Championship was out of Hawaii. I, I had the chance to race it and I took it, but, but we don't know. So, so it's been sort of fun for us to say, like, how do you build a field for this that has outstanding professional athletes, that has tons of like crazy fast age groupers, and has people that are longtime passionate members of the Ironman community. Um, so it's going to be it's going to be an interesting blend. Uh, and and as you know, St. George is fantastic, and the course is pretty awesome too. And so, I, I, I know a lot of people who want me to ask you, you know, is the World Champs going to be moving out of Kona year on year? But is the honest answer? You just don't know in terms of do St. George, see how it goes, and then go from there? Or do you guys actually think realistically you may well move um, the world champs on a sort of rotational basis like the 70.3? Um, so, so it's a hard question to answer, and, and, and I'm not trying to be difficult. <laughs> um, there's a part of me that, that really doesn't know. There's a part of me that feels like the Ironman World Championship is so inexorably linked to Hawaii that it would be hard to leave. Um, are, are, is it possible that there's some kind of answer in the middle that most of the time it's in Hawaii and sometimes it isn't? I, I, I could see how that's possible, but I think that the most honest answer is we just don't know enough right now to be able to really be thoughtful about that. And, and once we go through this and have experienced it and our athletes have experienced it and we hear from our professional athletes and our age group athletes in the communities, then I think it's going to be really helpful. I, I think what we do know is that we have enough extraordinarily talented and passionate athletes to fill two days of racing and not have it dilute the field at all. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that part I know. And when I think about when I was an age group athlete trying to qualify for Kona, like racing at Lake Placid in 2006, 
you know, there was a hundred Kona slots at Lake Placid. And, and that, you know, and I was racing in men's 40, 44 back then, you know, and there were, you know, 15 slots and it rolled to 28 and, you know, and, and like those days are, are just long gone when you think of, you know, 45 qualifying races now and the big age groups get six slots or seven slots, you know, maybe eight and it only rolls to 30. And, you know, if you're not in the top 2% of your age group, you've got no chance. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's an off, there's many more people who are worthy of competing at a world championship than we have room to put them right now. In, in any one day race scenario. So, so I think what we do know is that two days of racing for a world championship, you know, again, if we can operationally make it work in a way that works for athletes in the community and, and, and all of that, there's certainly demand because, you know, when you compare what the Ironman world looked like, again, you know, compared to when I started racing as an age grouper, you know, we have, lots of races in Asia. Now we have many more races in Europe. We've got many more races. We've got many more races everywhere. And we have five times as many athletes competing at the Ironman distance than we used to. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, is, is there a big part of me that says, you know, I'd like for there to be at, like, how many, how many Kona slots do we have at Ironman New Zealand? 40? Something like that. Yeah. You know, you got 22 age groups. And you got 40 slots. So, so there's a couple age groups that get four people. Right. Yeah. And, and a whole bunch of age groups where you have to win your age group to qualify. Wouldn't it be great if, if you didn't have to win yeah. to get a chance to race the but, world championship? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm keen for it to rotate, but I think, I don't know if I'm in the minority. So uh, we, we, we shall wait yeah. and see. Um, I know a few years ago when you guys started the Legacy Program, you actually announced it on our podcast very first, which we were most uh, appreciative of. Um, anything else you want to get out there in terms of any announcements or, or anything else that's going to be happening in the next, um, I don't know, 12 to 24 months? Oh. <laughs> Get, hit us with a big news. one. Hit us with a big one. Breaking news for the 24 months. Look, <laughs> uh, you know, th- this is a, we have so much new stuff happening. And... And, and, and so as we think of, you know, what we, what we're ultimately going to decide for the world championship and, and, and what does that look like? You know, I, I don't have anything for you, but, but I am prepared to come back when I do. And, and I'll give it to you first, John. Awesome. Love that. Righty hi. I'll keep you to that. <laughs> awesome. Fair Andrew, enough. we really appreciate your time. We know you're busy and you've got lots of, uh, you know, planning coming up for, for what's hopefully going to be a fantastic season. And um, yeah, we look forward to double world champs and, and some awesome courses. And, and that's one thing that I'm so pleased about this year is, is your championship courses are, are awesome and going to be challenging for the, for the pros and the age groupers. They're not going to be pancake f- flat draft fest. So we're looking forward to it. So yeah, thanks again for your time. The pleasure. Am I going to see you in St. George and in Kona? You're going to see me at the Kona 70.3. And um, if you're over there and bring your camp over in October, we will wait and see. We're only, we're only just allowed to escape out of New Zealand. So uh, it's still slightly nervous times. 
So, you, so you'll be you'll be at Honu. Honu, yep, seventy point three. I don't know if I'll be uh, at the front of the field this time around, but I'll uh, I'll be giving it my best shot. And we've got about 20, 20 odd athletes coming over. Fantastic! It's always good to see the Kiwis on the Big Island. Yeah, awesome, Andrew. Thanks so much for your time. All right, take care. Jomo did the interview your thoughts well so I guess you guys had listened to that and and I think Andrew Messick's fantastic I think he's done some great things for our sport people will slag him because you always slag people at the top um because I guess we're passionate about passionate about our sport and and he said that in the past you know they'd be probably concerned if people weren't complaining because yeah, then um, be they don't really care so I guess you know you got a lot of political answers out of there and and you might be thinking well do I actually know anything that I didn't know before not a, not a huge amount out of that. I guess the questions I kind of wanted to ask in that interview, which I did, didn't necessarily ram them home really hard, is the, is the PTO. He doesn't, didn't seem to be too stressed about the PTO and was happy for the pros to be making more money. So I kind of ticked that one off, but didn't really get anything too controversial. Other ones were, you know, whether we're going to see this two-day format stick in Kona. And again, we don't know the answer to that, but he was open to it. Realistically, for people who have been to Kona, I can't see it happening. I just think, I just don't think they'll be able to support a two-day format. Well, because there's going to be so many more people. Yeah. Accommodation would be impossible, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, other places in the world, I get how it works. I think it's going to be awesome to have females on one day and the males on the other. I just think that's brilliant. But I just don't know that it'll be able to be sustainable in Kona. Elsewhere, maybe. Uh, and then, what was the other thing that I wanted to ask him about? Oh, whether we're going to see the World Championships move away from Kona and again as you guys heard he was non-committal on that in terms of just going to see what happens this year but certainly was not ruling it out and I guess those were the three sort of areas that I wanted to cover and we <laughs> and you know we don't really know the answers to them because this year is going to be a big trial for all those different things. So. And I suppose that's a good thing isn't it this year one of the benefits of COVID is it has expanded how they're trying things and some of these things will prove through evidence that actually it's not a bad idea and some of them will go eh. so we could we could potentially this year could be watershed could be yeah. game changer yeah. because yeah. if these PTO races go off that is going to be like a massive shift oh, yeah. because all of a sudden there won't be that many pros maybe necessarily doing a lot of Ironman races they're just going to go I'm nailing these PTO ones I've still got to qualify for Kona and go and do that and I've got to qualify and go to maybe 70.3 worlds. But you might see the bugger all doing Ironman races. May not work, to work out that way whatsoever. Um, we may end up not having Kona being the world champs every year. And we may end up having a two-day format at Kona or somewhere else. So lots of different things to happen this year. Okay, let's go winger of the week. Now you've pulled up number 63. I did pull up number 63, Bevan. And last... Good old Kenneth Henley. Last week, Henley? number 63... Kenneth Henley, he lives over in, uh, living over in the Middle East there. And oh, it's got to be a crazy place to train, doesn't it? Yep. And he, he ticked my criteria of doing some swimming, cycling, and running. So he sw he did 15 hours and 32 minutes. He was ranked number 63. <laughs> How many did you have to look for this time? Uh, first time. Oh, first good stuff. Well done, well done, Henny. He uh, swam one hour, 50 minute, rode eight hours, 51, and ran four hours, 50 minutes. He's got so some good photos. He's got one at the White House. Oh, really? Yeah. It's got one. What's that building in, in Abu Dhabi? Um, or in Kuwait? No, not in Kuwait. And, um, oh. he's, he's out that neck of the woods in the Middle East. Got to say, we just get rogered over here with our speed that we ride at. So last week, Kenneth did a bloody impressive ride. He did a 200 kilometer ride, 283 
kilometres. I wonder how many laps of his car park he did to get over the <laughs> to get over, make sure he was over two hundred kilometres. Now, pretty impressive, averaging two hundred and three watts over two hundred k's. That's pretty solid. Average speed thirty five point five kilometres. Nice. An hour. If I rode when rode two hundred watts in New Zealand for two hundred kilometres. I'd be lucky to be busting 30 kilometres an hour. <laughs> but hats off to you, Kenneth. That's an impressive ride because uh, I know it's obviously hot over there. But 200 kilometres in 5 hours and 39 minutes is pretty solid. So He's got, a, he's got a photo here of him and some other guy um, riding up some desert road. Man, mental stimulation. <laughs> Not much happened there, I tell yeah. you. You've got to have your head game on when you're training over in that part of the world because... He's in Dubai. He's in Dubai, okay, yeah. So because... Yeah, 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 yeah enjoy the view. Yeah, enjoy sand the after sand. And he's got a predicted time of a 3.07 marathon, 1.24 and a half and a 36k, 36-minute uh, 10k. And his biggest ride was, in fact, that ride that he did last week, uh, 200.8 kilometres. Solid work. Okay, so what was his name again? Ke- uh, Kenneth Henny. You are our winner of the week. week. Now, is this questions and answers? Questions. Uh, we don't really do many questions and answers. Okay, well, so speaking of bucket list, so who's this from, John? Oh, this is from Barry Breffel. Okay. Um, he was right up there in the wang of the week the other day, but it's because he'd been riding his bloody bike everywhere. Oh, that's right. Uh, so he said he wanted to get a plug for his friend, a training partner, multiple Kona finisher and long-time listener of the show with an I am nickname and all, Jenny Hot 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 Lorenz, who is closing in on being halfway done with her riding her bike across America from San Diego oh. to St. Augustine in Florida to raise money for Alzheimer's. Her mum has been suffering with this horrible disease for over a decade, so Jenny, upon retiring this year, decided to... Um, Marry her love of cycling with a bucket list item of riding across the country with wow. Alzheimer's fundraising to honour her mother. Jenny, along with two of our friends, are doing the entire ride and a few others, myself included, are jumping in for a week or two here and there around work obligations. You'd be incredibly grateful, but give her a mention. Um, she's nearly halfway to raising her $50,000 to go towards Alzheimer's. So we'll have a link on our website if you want to go and support that um, and support Jenny Hot 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 Lorenz and riding across America. Good stuff going hot hot hot. That's an awesome journey, eh? It's, that's something I would be quite keen to do, something How like that. How long do you reckon you do it over? I don't, I've never really looked at it in detail. Yeah. I think Gordo was looking at doing it, wasn't he? He was like six weeks, wasn't he? Because uh, he asked me to drive a camper van for him. Right. Yeah. Like, no way, mate. They, I can't sit in a camper van for you. They did it. Yeah. Him in class, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, the quiz question. So the quiz question was... What year did the short course or the Olympic mm. distance triathlon world championships switch from non-drafting to dra- drafting to non-drafting? Yeah. No, non-drafting to drafting. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Spence Smith took it out, didn't he? Correct. I'm figuring 96. Incorrect. Oh! Two years earlier. Oh, was it? Any idea on location? No, but you'll know. You did it, wasn't it? Yeah, Wellington. Was it Wellington? Wellington, New Zealand, 1994. Oh, it was, was a course. That would have been a hard course. Uh, it was windy. Yeah, it was windy. Yeah. Uh, so that was the last ever non-drafting world championship. I went 96 because I thought when the Olympics came around was when they changed it. But obviously they changed it before that so they could get into the Olympics. Yeah, I don't know when the actual Olympic announcement came. Um, but yeah, 1995 was in Cancun in Mexico. And, and it was very controversial, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, no, it was. Yeah, and some people stepped away from the sport, but it was. It had to happen. Going, I'm sure there's still footage on the triathlon live. 
Tv site. They've got all the old world championships yep. and, and, and you go and watch uh, Wellington and it was a bit of a joke. Oh, in well, terms of pick anyway. Spencer Smith just absolutely annihilated everybody. He had like a couple of minutes coming off the bike and then this pack of about 30 came oh, in okay. and they all came in together yeah. like, there's no way and they showed some pictures they were like four abreast on the on the motorway section and uh yeah so what was that you know so why wasn't Spencer be able to be so dominant after that uh because you know you're basically saying the year he won it it was a draft ride anyway yeah well he was just so strong on the bike that he managed to get away he he i think he ran well Really, really, really well. Yeah, but he wasn't. But I think he needed it to be quite a hard bike for him to run well. Okay. If it ended up being a soft bike, he He probably would have get out outrun. So he still would have done okay in draft legal races. But he needed like a like a like an Athens type of course so he could blow people's legs out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's when that's when he would have done well. And he just wasn't his thing. He's like, bugger this, I'm out of here. But there was nowhere to go, really, was there? Oh, there was still non-drafting races. He went to America and did non-drafting races, and then he then he did transition across to Ironman. Did he do any good in Ironman? Uh, was it okay? I think he got a fifth maybe in Kona. Yeah. But yeah, certainly not to the same caliber as his short course racing. If you want to go listen to the Legends of Triathlon podcast, it's a great interview. Okay, uh, okay, John, let's say thank you to our patrons. Oh, hold on. What about my swimsuit? Oh, sorry. Yes, Bloody, the piranhas were, were surrounding me this morning. I'll go into the reason for that uh, later, but I was not swimming fast whatsoever. And the reasons for that, uh, what did we do this morning? We did a 600 warm up, which was 200 freestyle, 100 IM. And then the three 100 bands only. And then the main set was twice through, going three 200s steady, two 100s fast, and 100 easy IM twice through. And then we finished with a 400 ascending swim. So that means starting fast and easing off each 100. I think nice. it was 3.1k. Jeez. That's all. 3.1? Yeah. Why so small? It's about standard, three, three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. Craig, the Time Lord McCarthy. We've got Julian, the Commander Swats. And Mark, Hot Rod Dixon. If you want to come, a, oh, also our sponsors. Will World Triathlon Store be in to win a $200 voucher or a refund? We do some occasional draws and you can go and get some of their cool stuff. Uh, the longtime supporter of the podcast, uh, go to imtalk.me, click on the store, and then you can go and check out uh, our IM Talk gear. Uh, we've got different colours. We've got a bit of Lumo, we've got a bit of pink, and we've got a bit of blue range. Uh, so check it out. We've got profile design. You can get some hydration, wheels, uh, storage, aero bars, Steams, handlebars. If you haven't got a long, if you're doing a long course and you haven't got a front bottle system, get one. Remember the interview we did with David Bowden? Yep, I need to get one for my uh, upcoming Kona race. My other one's uh, gone kaput, so I need to get one myself. I need to get one because you need to sharpen up. And then lastly, custom, sorry, uh, the Magic 5 custom fitted swimming goggles. And you can go and they're awesome goggles. I've got, I wear them every morning when I go swimming myself. You go on there and they actually. Get, get the app and it scans your face and it basically builds the goggles based on the contours of your face. Sounds like it could be something that's going to cost you thousands of dollars, but it's really uh, not that expensive. Last time I checked, it was about 200 bucks New Zealand for three pairs and that was around about 50 bucks a pair. Um, and you compare that to other good quality goggles, you can get rubbish goggles for probably 10, 10 or 20 bucks. But if you want to get a good pair of goggles, go and check out themagic5.com. And we have a winner. When I went to chicken dinner, dinner, good old Michael Turner, yep. call me sir. I just emailed, I, I emailed him before the show and uh, he goes, oh wow, thanks, really appreciate that. So it's all good in the hood. 
uh, okay. Michael Turner is going to be wearing a pair of Magic 5 goggles. Michael Turner, you're a winner, winner, chicken dinner. Okay, if you want to become a patron, go to www.iontalk.me. Um, go through the pod, go support us, go through the process, go on a draw to win a cool prize like Michael Turner just did. Support the boys in what we do. If you want some coaching, coachjohnnewson.com. Also, check out his Epic Camp at epiccamp.com. Uh, for my podcast, bevanjamesisleshow.com, and then Age Group of the Week, cool websites, and other feedback, I am to podcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your goss. Um, well, as I said just earlier, Bevan, uh, swim this morning was a bit of a struggle. I'm a broken man, Bevan. I'm a broken man. Oh, really? What's happened? I stupidly decided to go mountain biking on Saturday. Oh, did you come off, did you? And uh, I went out to this place called Bottle Lake, which is a... Which is not that advanced. It's not advanced at all. It's a forest. And uh, Thomas had a a, a mountain bike session to do with um, his little team as well. So I thought, I'll go out there. I did a... On Saturday, I did a 90-kilometer bike ride at half Ironman effort. Yeah. That was good, solid effort. So I thought, Sunday, I'm just going to do a mountain bike ride, take it pretty gently. And then I went riding with another guy Hayden Beta, and he's just smashing it around here I'm hopeless on a mountain bike as it is this this circuit's just single track sort of yep. stuff going through a forest it is very twisty and turny and it's actually the first time I've been out there which hasn't been with kids because I used to think oh this is really really easy yep. when you're actually riding at pace it's, it's, you've got to be switched on I would be absolutely get smoked by good mountain bikers do two laps of the circuit it was like about um, 40 minutes do you enjoy it? no well, no, I enjoy it. I, I've got about a threshold, and I was thinking this shortly before I crash. I think about 45 minutes is my threshold for mountain biking. Okay. Anything over that, I start to lose a bit of concentration, start to lose enjoyment. Start to crash. And then I crash. And so we're on the second lap, and there's this little bit where the kind of track kind of split, and I went one way, and it, it turned, didn't see a little tree stump, and hit it with my pedal. And it's one of those crashes where you don't know it's coming because you uh, don't really see it. Yeah. All of a sudden, you've just hit it. Next thing, you're flying. So you don't, oh, I absolutely smoked myself. Are you okay? Uh, I'm okay. I didn't break anything. But I've been hung out. feel like I've had a hung out hangover oh, really? for two days just because oh, really? I was landed very heavily. And um, I'm not happy about it, Bevan. So is it the end of mountain biking? Um, it's, it is for a while. I don't know why I do it. It always happens, a crash. Uh, Have you ever done a skills course? Um, not as such, no. Yeah. This wasn't a skills. This this was just a didn't see a little tree. I've never mounted bike. You know, like twice yep. in my life, and I've got you know, I'm confident on a bike, but mountain bike is such a different skill set. And they've got the mountain bike part down the road, and um, and they do skill sets. And, and I know it's probably one hundred and one, but to be honest, I probably would want to do something like that to get yeah. my understanding of. You, you probably haven't had many crashes, have you? You know what? I, I was very lucky in, in my cycling hmm. time not to. I had a, a couple of little minors in cycle races, but not that. I was kind of more just breaking into somebody than yeah. me being the main thing in the in the crash. And I was very lucky. Yeah, I've only had a few good road crashes, not many, and I've had quite a few mountain bike crashes. It just it just wins you. Just I honestly felt like I've been hung over three days. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're kind of trying to get your and you're going to hit the ground. Oh yeah, well they they reckon the amount of ambulances that come down here because where we where where I live, I'm basically looking over the driveway leading into a mountain bike park, which is one of those cheerlift mountain bike parks. Um, and they reckon the ambulances there pretty much every day. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's a death trap. <laughs> it's a death trap. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you never goss. No, that's just blown me away. So, uh, Bevan, uh, in Easter, Easter time, it's always good for your Easter eggs. So you go crazy? Yourself. No, I didn't go crazy. Just I went crazy on Friday. Yeah, crazy day. Two Friday. days of gluttony a year. Yep. Easter Friday, mm-hmm. Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I have moments where I might eat a little bit too much, but I'm not, I'm not a glutton. Uh, Easter eggs are supposed to be on Sunday, though. 
going two days shit. early. Like, whatever day I want up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not much of a religious person, so I don't have to follow those plans. Um, no, so I, yeah, I, 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 mean, I went crazy. Mm-hmm. I'd already had six years before I got out of bed. Nice. Yeah. It was, no, really those small ones. Yeah. Know, but, and then we watched the movie, I had some more eggs, and then it was nighttime, I thought, I must have maximized before I got out of bed. And then guess what happened? Couldn't get sleep. Oh dear. <laughs> Funny that. And then my weekend was we didn't really do much for Easter because we're just gonna work. So um but one thing we did is clean the garage out. Oh, nice. Did you did you notice the garage seemed cleaner? No, but I did notice you need to get some new handlebar for your bike. Oh well the problem handlebar there tape. is what happens is we my tape always gets ruined because with our runners, we get lots of cones we have to put out on the course. And on a Saturday morning, I'll go and cycle and collect all the cones and I put them on my tape so it rips it up here all the time. Mm. So I've used good old, you know, insulation tape. Yeah, I can see. It's pretty, their bike's pretty rough. Yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're into a cycle race, I'd need to spend some money on it. Um, but it was quite satisfying. Mm. We bought some new storage. Mm-hmm. My wife needed a clean garage. Mm-hmm. She'd been on my case for a while. I was like, oh, Easter, we're doing the garage. So that, that's my exciting thing in my life right now. Nice. That's about it. Cool. Yep. All right, let's wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm Edo. Train hard. Train smart. Kick, Kick hard. hard.